Hey guys, it's Fayon here, back with another episode of The Passive Hang. We're at episode 73, and today we are joined by Daniel Zivacovic, who is a movement teacher based in London. He is part of the amazing London Movement Group, one of the teachers there, and also teaches in a variety of venues such as that uh, Lift the Movement gym, which I always see on Instagram, very beautiful institution. Otherwise, he also shares his practice and his teachings online through his own movement teaching platform, also through YouTube and Instagram, and I really highly recommend that you check out the stuff that he shares because it's full of great ideas, detail, and I love watching Daniel move. Daniel and I have been talking for a while now online, and he's always such such a great guy just to go back and forth with, and this is really represented in our chat as well. I think Daniel is just a really authentic human being. In this conversation today, we'll hear Daniel's journey going from Croatia and being a trained physiotherapist in a clinical setting to now living in London, teaching movement full-time, in person and online. You guys are going to enjoy this one. We're going to get started. Here we go. Welcome back to the Passive Hang. I have Daniel Zivatovic. I hope I hope that was right. That was almost there. <laughs> That's correct. It was okay. Uh, yeah, I just want to welcome you onto the Passive Hang. Daniel and I, I guess, have been connected for a little while just um, on the Instagram channel. One of the many wonders of you know that social media platform, if you use it correctly, and. I've just seen, I guess, Daniel's transformation, uh, especially of late with um, all the ideas and the content you're putting out with uh, the movement ideas, the the movement snacks, um, even just like snippets into your training as well, how that's all going and progressing along with your teaching, finding it really inspiring. So I wanted to take this chance just to invite you on a bit of a personal desire as well just to get to know you and also find out you know the story behind Daniel really so welcome to the podcast hey Fion. hey everyone well first of all thank you so much for inviting me this being here is uh, such a huge honor because so many so many people uh, that I admire all the teachers that I follow uh, basically we're already here or are gonna be here <laughs> so First of all, thank you so much for inviting me. And uh, your pronunciation, Jivato, which was spot on, perfect. <laughs> Nailed it. We're off to a good start. And uh, where I was thinking of actually asking you was, you know, in your Instagram handle, underneath you have the title Physical Empowerment, and that seems to be a theme with uh, with your teaching. So I wanted to ask, like, yeah, where did this name come from and what does this mean for you? Uh, well, first of all, uh, physical empowerment. Yeah, I was kind of contemplating for a while how to uh, how to call it. I mean, for a while, uh, the handle was actually Dentia, which is very funny. Uh, just sort of, uh, as my name is Daniel, it was kind of uh, brought from, um, it, it was derived from my name in Croatia. And then when I moved here, I didn't have any idea in English uh, maybe I'm saying it wrong, but dench, dench means someone who is very, uh, very strong, very, which I wasn't at all. 
was super super skinny and, and uh, relatively weak, super weak actually. And uh, so yeah, it was kind of interesting. I didn't have any idea, but then as I started teaching, you know, a few years ago, uh, I was looking for a name that would sort of uh, complement, uh, kind of demonstrate what I'm trying to what I'm trying to teach, what I'm trying to share in a sort of as simplistic way as possible. And still, I might change it again at some point, who knows, just because uh, sort of, I think physical, the word physical sort of maybe has a little bit of a limitation to it. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, because it's not just physical as we know, uh, but it's uh, empowerment for sure, empowerment for sure. Uh, how to help people, how to help people uh, develop uh, their own, potential in terms of their physicality and obviously that's going to reflect in terms of uh hopefully in terms of who they are through their lives you know uh without any limitations you know on, on, the, on their age uh movement history of injuries or so on i think i think that's all that makes sense hopefully <laughs> yeah and you know if we wind back the clock as well because you, you just mentioned a few facts like um I know you moved over to the UK and that was like quite a big move for you as well. But, you know, if we wind back the clock, uh, back to the time when you were in your home country and stuff, like, yeah, w what happened before in terms of like your, your physicality and your physical training, you know, take us back to the very start. Oh, <laughs> that's a, quite a journey. Uh, so, yeah, I'm originally from Croatia. I moved to UK to London. Uh, more specifically, I think now almost seven years. So going even further back, uh, I was always very fairly uh, non-athletic. I know so many guests on the podcast here, you know, everyone always talks about how they started early. You know, they were super into movements, super into training and practice, martial arts, whatever. Uh, I'm, I was completely opposite. Uh, I was always very sort of fragile, uh, Huge scoliosis, uh, mm. uh, uh, very bad posture. Um, I mean, what they would call now bad posture. Uh, I was always very sort of visual. I was always very uh, into 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 lots of reading, into arts, uh, at least in the early days. Hence uh, the, the reason for my parents to uh, put me in music school, primary music school. So I actually went five years to music school, but. Uh, I realized as I was going to primary music school uh, on top of parallel to normal primary school. Uh, I don't know in Australia, how does it work? But in Croatia, you have well, primary primary school is uh, from uh, you have eight grades. And then parallel to that, you, you go, you have six years of music school. So you had like two. It's it's overwhelming. Uh, you have like for young a kids. double school. Yes, it's a double school. So it was, uh, yeah, it was it was a lot. It was a lot. And, and I very quickly started hating it but i somehow managed to do five years and uh, somewhere during my early puberty i sort of started uh, having more and more um desire to pursue something more athletic i always i was always a very fast runner and i really uh, liked uh, football or soccer <laughs> depending which part of the world you come from uh so I was dabbling a little bit with that, but nothing to some major extent. Uh, I was also doing a little bit of kayaking. I was also doing a little bit of just basic athletic, basic running, but nothing too much always. I guess my parents were always a little bit scared. You know, something's going to happen to my knee. I had a very dodgy left knee. 
my spine, you know. I, they were very caring and loving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to say that. But it was, I think they were a little bit more overprotective, which they can definitely retrospectively see now. So, yeah, I mean, going to my high school, I went to, uh, to medi- medi- medical school, medical high school, which was four years. So I was a nurse. Mm-hmm. Uh, as uh, everyone was working in hospital for my parents, not in medical profession, though. My, my dad is an accountant in hospital and my mom is still, she's working in laundry. But as it was such a small town, you know, everyone knew each other, you know, there was always stories how working in the general hospital is, you know, it's good for you. You know, it's good. It's easy to find a job there. So I decided to be a nurse. <laughs> and uh, as I finished uh, medical school, I, I was on a huge sort of crossroads. I had to decide. I was still fairly physically non-active, mm. but I was fairly healthy. You know, I, didn't, I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. And then I had to decide after finishing uh, medical school, what am I going to do with my life? Where am I going to go? So one of the options was uh, going to law school. And thank God I didn't go to law school. Uh, <laughs> one of the options to be a graphic, uh, graphic designer, which was something that I was always doubling. I, as I mentioned earlier, I was always sort of very visual. Uh, I always liked tinkering with that. Uh, and then one of the uh, other aspects was uh, possibilities was being a physio. And again, that was primarily because it's kind of natural progression for medical school and you can find job much easier as a physiotherapist. Mm. Uh, And obviously I went to be a physiotherapist. I did my bachelor degree in physiotherapy. Uh, And yeah, on my uni, um, I sort of discover the world of partying, you know, and uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's... uh, I would say nothing too crazy, but uh, just uh, something that uh, some people would say lots of 20 year old people, you know, should perhaps maybe experience. But yeah, uh, as I finished being, uh, you know, as I finished my uni, I fairly quickly found a job. And yeah, I was, I was, there was, a, you know, I was, I was a physiotherapist working with people, trying to empower people. Mm-hmm. And I was fairly unhealthy. Uh, I started sort of developing, I wouldn't say, alcohol problem but i was drinking a lot i mean mm. uh, uh there was uh, i mean there's this stigma or also you know slavs south slavs you know there's a uh, lots of unhealthy lifestyle uh, uh around it maybe some people listening from that area would, would probably say what is this guy talking about but it's uh <laughs> yeah i mean my, my hometown was well known it was actually on national tv for for so many uh uh, underage uh, alcoholic uh, mm-hmm. drinkers so it was it was very it was very rough very rough uh, so yeah long story short uh, I was 30 years old and I also I, I was on the crossroads uh, of my life you know I had to decide I lost my job in hospital as I was working uh, as a physiotherapist I was uh, I had a contract that was um, I was uh, on the place of a lady who was on maternity leave. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it was a year and a half, two years. And then after that, uh, I was a promised, I was promised sort of a job if I if I'm gonna be a good physio, which I, I think I was fairly decent physio, but uh, it didn't happen. And then a uh, year after that, I was still unemployed. I was uh, I was starting to then change, uh, I was fairly depressed to be honest mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. as uh, I had some relationship issues and I had to change something in my life. So 
I during that time I sort of started discovering uh, Ido on YouTube and mm-hmm. all this uh, other stuff, um, movement related stuff. Let's go very early days, uh, but yeah, it was it was just me. No one in my immediate environment was uh, interested at all mm. uh, into that. You know, people were doing lots of like CrossFit, uh, weightlifting, boot camp. You know, losing fat drills. <laughs> no one was exercising for the sake of. I would say practicing for the sake of practicing. People probably didn't even know what, why would you practice? What does that even mean? Mm. Um, but yeah, so I just started first with running. I discovered, rediscovered running. So that was my first thing. Uh, I was running, running like crazy everywhere and did lots of endurance running, lots of 5Ks, preparing for marathons. Then I got injured, <laughs> my <laughs> left knee, classic. Um, so I had a lot of endurance, but I was mm-hmm. very weak. I couldn't do not even one pull-up basically mm. and then during that time i basically discovered the uh, sort of uh fitness faqs uh, gmb online if mm-hmm. you're familiar with that uh, you know uh, edo's videos so i started sort of uh trying to get as much uh, info uh, online and starting to develop myself going more into skill-based training or calisthenics uh, or gymnastic if you want to call it like that uh, I also, during that time, I started uh, discovering, like, uh, I really have this sort of passion uh, for teaching this uh, type of stuff. And I mean, I already, you know, as a physio, you need to lead group classes, but it's completely different than what you would, you know, uh, lead or teach uh, in a sort of movement-based class or, or yeah. handstand-based class or Kali-based class. Uh, so I already had sort of... Uh, uh, sort of desire i already said had sort of skills how to do that uh, relatively efficiently but i didn't have any sort of uh, qualifications in terms of strength and conditioning so i did a couple of you know certifications couple of just basic uh, qualifications just to pursue that in croatia but there was no 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 work uh, available whatsoever i was covering a couple of teachers couple of coaches but that was just it and then i had a so at this my, point, uh, as, yeah. at this point, were you still working as a physio, or you were kind of just I, I was jumping into the? I was unemployed. Okay. Yeah, I was unemployed, and I was really grasping to to stroll. Like, what what can I do? I need to change something with my life, mm-hmm. and I saw already this uh, phys- exposure to physical practice was was helping me mentally and obviously physically. And then I got a call from my <laughs> from my cousin uh, Lester that uh, lived during that time in London, North London. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, Croatia just entered the EU. That was 2013, uh, 2014. Uh, by this point, this was, uh, I think, 2015. And she was saying, beginning of 2015, you know what? Just try, uh, see, uh, you can always come here. Just try to find work. You know, maybe, you know, maybe, you, you know, you, you can you can never lose anything. You know, just try, give, give it a go. Otherwise, you go, you, you know, you're always going to regret. Oh, why didn't I have this amazing opportunity? Mm. And I didn't wait for too long. You know, I collected, I spent basically all my savings because the currency difference between British pound and, and Croatian kuna is, uh, and it's actually becoming, it's going to be euro soon. It's, uh, it was in such a disproportionate level, yep. it's ridiculous. Hence why I couldn't really pay for any uh, online courses, any online coaching with Ido, you know, or with, mm. you know, there's simply no theoretical way you can do that unless you're a millionaire in so, Croatia. So at this point, you're kind of just self-learning right just finding whatever online resources you can yeah exactly completely self-learning uh seeing my sort of tendencies what i like to do what i kind of dislike uh i did lots of um, lots of 
what was his name? Original strength themed something. So I did lots of crawling. I, I, I was very, even then I was quite a big fan of minimalistic approach to training. I, I was, I was crawling a lot. I was doing, uh, putting timer and crawling for five minutes combined mm -hmm. with uh, kettlebell swings combined with pull-ups, you know, it, it, you know, gave me so much, you know, grip strength, endurance, shoulder strength, and so on. Uh, it was, it was useful, but yeah, uh, Apart from that, yeah, you know, eventually I went, uh, that was end of 2015, I went to London. Uh, I fairly quickly kind of found my way there. I found a job as a physio in this uh, institution, small uh, institution for uh, people with brain injuries, with traumatic brain injuries, mm -hmm. quite heavy stuff. Although I had like very mixed exposure in terms of physio. My last placement in the Croatian hospital was, I was working in an intensive care unit. Uh, which was also quite heavy, but a really good learning experience. Mm. Uh, you kind of start appreciating human life after yeah, that. <laughs> for sure. Uh, and quality of human life. And so, yeah, uh, five years then I spent there. And uh, that, that actually uh, job gave me opportunity and, and funds to sort of uh, pursue, uh, to finally start, uh, you know, going on courses, learning online, learning from other teachers, getting my own you know, one-to-one -one coaches and so on. I fairly quickly uh, met uh, my future wife as well. Uh, she's English. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah, she, she also helped me uh, a lot, a lot, uh, especially in the early days uh, on my journey. So, yeah, uh, working as a physio there. Uh, are you okay if I just continue? Uh, just keep talking? on rolling. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying the story. It's, it's a great story. <laughs> Thank you. Um, during that, uh, you know, during those five years, you know, I already sort of, I knew I'm not going to stay there. It was just sort of means to an end, but I did enjoy my team, my boss, the team was amazing. I'll probably even go sooner from that place, but the team was amazing. And the job itself, you know, has had some really nice perks and you so get also connected to those people. At this point with the physio work, yeah. Did you feel kind of connected to it at the, at the whole time or was it just more like uh this is what i'm doing at the moment and i'm still searching for what i really want to do yeah like what was going through your feelings in your mind so i was still sort of yes and no so i was still sort of searching what i want to do you know on the one hand you know that physio work like you know it was really well paid you know and the pay was going up every almost almost three times since i was there which was amazing which i almost never experienced in croatia um but yeah, I was, I was, um, I was really fighting then with, you know, it was, it was tough because, you know, commute was quite far. So every day I was commuting from uh, my place in East London to two hours, almost sometimes two hours in one direction wow. to work in that institution. And then uh, working there from seven or eight in the morning and then coming home back at around six and then squeezing my practice. I was, yep. if I had any, any really uh, good qualities, if I can say so for myself in a selfish way, uh, that was a motivation. I was very motivated. You know, I was very like sort of lone wolf and I was really training. Even if I was tired, I, at the end of the day, I'm going to squeeze a strength-based session, mobility session. And what do you if think? I was like super knackered. Yeah. What do you think just drove you to be, you know, that motivated? Cause I think a lot of people, you know, sometimes they see this stuff and, you know, it seems really good, but then it's hard to keep up the adherence to keep on practicing. Right. So was it just like this energy that you felt from the practice or yeah, what happened? So I think both energy 
definitely maybe even primarily mental aspect of it and uh because it really helped me mentally you know the feeling of also loneliness you know disconnection from the from the home because you you know you uh, I actually spent 30 years in, in, in first like 31, 32 years in Croatia. You know, I had completely uh, formed life. I was formed first person. You know, I had friends, family, big family. And then I had, you know, I was on my own almost. So it was really helping with that. But uh, I did start enjoying more and more skill-based work, hmm. uh, skill-based work. So uh, during that time, I, I got into fitness FAQs, Daniel's uh, Body by Rings program, uh, which was really cool, uh, rings, uh, integral strength and the ring uh, program from GMB. Uh, so yeah, uh, I was following program, but even then, then I, I was starting to notice I, I was kind of program hopping because mm-hmm. if you're on your own after few, if you, as soon as you start to get into some plateaus, you know, okay, what can I do next? Uh, so then some, somewhere during that period, I started thinking, hmm, I really love this. Uh, my wife was saying, you're really passionate about this. Did you ever consider maybe teaching? So I sort of started, uh, I went to do a couple of certifications here in London on top of other workshops. So I did like animal flow, level one, level two. Uh, I did the strong first body weight certification. And uh, some people maybe know it, some people don't. But uh, anyway, that was sort of beginning of, uh, my transition, I was starting to think more and more, okay, there's something to it. I really like this. I should really start pursuing this and teach more and more. And here comes the problem, the main problem. So you're this new guy in London. It's like my hometown, just for comparison, is 70,000 people. Yeah. Barely, maybe <laughs> even less now. London is, I don't know how, 11, 12 million people. So, And you don't really have many connections at all. You don't have, mm. You don't know many people at all. So what are you going to do? How are you going to start? So it can be very overwhelming. So, you know, you post some stuff on social media, but it's literally just like, you know, shouting to abyss, you know, no one, no one can really hear. <laughs> yeah. You connect with few people, but that's about it. Uh, but, you know, uh, my wife, she was a uh, cat. She was yoga teacher for seven years. And during that period, she was still teaching and she had some really good connections in some studios. So she helped me sort of to set up job interview. So to say, and I started teaching like a few uh, sort of mobility, strength-based classes in a couple of yoga studios primarily. Mm-hmm. It, it was interesting enough uh, in London during that period, even now to a degree, uh, as soon as I moved to London, I was trying to find a movement, proper movement sort of ba- based facility. We, and I was really struggling mm-hmm. uh, to find anything similar. There was a couple of gyms, but they were very far, but nothing like purely movement orientated. So. I think I blame definitely London uh, being super expensive and expensive extortionate rents for the space. It's yep. ridiculous. So I started teaching, you know, a couple of classes on my own, a couple of classes in yoga studios. And yeah, it just kind of started from there. Uh, I started uh, learning more and more on my own. Uh, I started, I started actually seeing, I'm not really into just, I, I'm just going to do calisthenics. I'm just going to develop my handstand. I'm just going to work on mobility. I really want to, you know, work on locomotion. I, I fairly quickly went out of, out of the con- confinements of your know, animal flow. I think I, I still think it's a nice introduction for people who are sort of fairly new to that sort of uh, type of work. Uh, but uh, yeah, I started attending, you know, certain um, 
Fighting Monkey inspired workshops. If you're familiar with Fighting mm-hmm. Monkey, uh, I think somewhere during that time, I also did uh, Tom for my first Tom Wexler's uh, Movement Archer workshop, which uh, just nice. blew my mind completely. I did Ido's uh, Corset uh, in London. And I started kind of dabbling with a little bit with the dance. I did, you know, this mini parkour course. You know, I did so many things and I really realized, oh, there's all this, you know, depth and all these layers that I can explore, maybe even teach some of them. So, yeah. Uh, but then, you know, I started uh, realizing there's not much time. You know, I don't have much free time. I have all these resources and I, I'm learning more and more, but I really want to teach, but I don't have time. So how do you make this transition then? from uh, being unknown person in this huge place and you really, you're passionate about it and you want to really share it. And you get really, you know, the more I was teaching, you, know, you get really good feedback from the people. Mm. Uh, and like, what am I going to do? Luckily at work, you know, they, they allowed me to, my former boss, they allowed me to um, sort of gradually reduce days. So I was, obviously it had to be financially uh, viable for me. Because at that point, we were uh, looking for buy a flat in London, which is, you know, a mission. It's, it is a shared ownership, though, which is completely a very complicated story, uh, complicated scheme. But, you know, so like I need to be financially sustainable. I need to pay my bills. You know, it's not going to, you know, just money falling from the sky. So I reduced one day first. I started teaching. It went horribly wrong. It, it was it was so bad. Like uh, I didn't really uh, earn much money. You know, classes were not that busy. Some of the classes got canceled because I was teaching. For example, if I got my Friday off to teach, mm-hmm. and then I was teaching during weekends, you know, normal people would rest during weekends, especially yeah. if they have nine to five job. There, there I was. You know, I was teaching, <laughs> so there, I didn't have many much rest on top of my own personal training and practice. So. Yeah, uh, then I went back full time again. Ah, you reverted back, yeah. <laughs> uh, I reverted back and I was like, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, it, it's my dream, but it's, you know, it's maybe it's not for me. You know, I started really doubting myself. It's mm. it's very hard, you know, and it's uh, and what, it might what, not happen. What year was this around? Like how many years ago? <sighs> I was like, I think four years now, approximately. Mm. Four years now. But I was still regularly training, you know, still regularly attending things and yeah but then you know there was some click i even went <laughs> uh i even started contemplating maybe uh because this is how my brain operates i just my wife always laughs at me i just uh, you know I, I i think about one thing and then suddenly i start thinking about other things so okay i might even start doubling with some programming because i really like the idea because she already during that time started working from home mm-hmm. she works as a career advisor and uh, I really kind of like that. Oh, I can I can have so much more time to practice at home, man. Like I can potentially teach. I could be a programmer. And then I started uh, just dabbling a little bit with uh, oh, you mean programming. programming like IT programming? I thought you yeah IT like, programming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought you mean like coaching programming, but no, 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 like... <laughs> no, 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 IT programming. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm just I was being crazy. Uh, but then I quickly, quickly realized, okay, it's. Uh, it's actually a bit more complicated than I was imagining. Although I always, I was always, always had this big geek side that I didn't mention. You know, I was always a huge gamer. I was always building my own computers. I was really comfortable with you know technology. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. And then just suddenly there, there was not much talk about it. I had a couple of really good opportunities. Uh, and how could I forget? Uh, during that time, I kind of started. Uh, that was. 
exactly. It's 2022. Oh my God. So that's 2018. Uh, I met Will. You know, Will mm. came back to Will Brown came back to, to London from his mm. travels. <laughs> and uh, he started with the group. And then I was looking for community. I always kind of created community because mm. it was Lone Wolf. And, but and I really so wanted to. At this time, there wasn't really anything actually organized in, in London by 2018, not- was it? Not, not really. I mean, I, I was doing coaching with uh, another coach uh, uh, that was on your podcast, uh, if I'm not wrong, Farid. Yeah, Farid. Yeah, a wonderful guy, super capable guy, a wonderful teacher. And uh, yeah, I kind of realized that you know, I need a coach. So I started uh, started uh, getting classes, sessions with Farid, which was amazing. But then somewhere after that, uh, after some time, I uh, kind of stumbled upon Will and, and the group and you know, started attending not very first. I think it was just second session because I was back in Croatia. And yeah, since then I was just like a piece of furniture there in the group. And uh, I realized quickly, okay, this is this is what I want. This is, and I fairly quickly approached, uh, approached him and I said, you know what, dude, I really love this. And I, uh, it really resonates with, you know, with my ideas and principles. And, and I really uh, like the way you teach and, and like the material presented. I would also like to be at some point uh, a part of, you know, teaching team and which mm-hmm. he was super supportive with. So, yeah. Uh, uh, during that time, as I was attending the group, uh, occasionally covering for well, you know, and uh, sort of building my own skills, building my own physical capacity, <laughs> general capacity, uh, I started teaching more and more suddenly for some strange reason i think mm-hmm. me getting into community and uh, i don't know maybe kind of change something inside inside of me and uh which sounds very cheesy but uh <laughs> it's uh yeah just you know i started teaching more and more and then suddenly i realized okay let me just try again with my boss <laughs> uh listen could you give me you know one or two maybe two more days uh, two extra days so i can work only three days i can work extra if necessary for those three days but give me these two days extra free just so i can focus a bit more on teaching because i can really see there's something to it and yeah they were okay with that and mm-hmm. yeah i just started teaching more and more and then yeah at some point i think you know there was even i think that this this was now we're nearing the time of pandemic you know i just suddenly realized it's um I'm kind of getting financially okay with this. Uh, there was also I started kind of doubling with uh, uh, with online coaching, mm-hmm. uh, and then pandemic started. And then I think it was really good. I mean, it's sort of bad to say, but it was good timing with online coaching because it really uh, I had a big increase in you know people uh, starting to uh, ask for coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, either other PTs or just people looking for, you know, to just develop basic strength and mobility. And, you know, it just kind of started being uh, more and more sustainable. And I was still kind of uh, working three days. I can't remember anymore. It was a two or three days, something like that as a physio, just because it kind of gave you that good basis, a financial basis. Mm. Uh, because at the end of the day, you know, we all need to pay the bill, you know, bills. You know, and it was very time times of uncertainty. You, know, you have your own flat, you need to pay bills, this and that. And uh, But at some point, uh, I was teaching more and more classes, in-person classes, one-to-ones, in-person, one-to-one per, uh, in, uh, uh, online, one-to-one uh, remote programming. And then it was June last year. I just decided, you know what? 
it's a very risky and bold move, but uh, I think you know, I might go full time into this freelancing water self employment, mm-hmm. which was a little bit of you know it took a lot of not a little bit took a lot of courage and yeah I just sort of I, I don't want any regrets uh, when I'm older if I get to an older age, so I just decided you know to take the opportunity and you know, I just started being my own boss in a way and uh, yeah here I am now. <laughs> <laughs> that's a wonderful wonderful story and uh yeah i was right there long, with you long one, yeah. <laughs> through, through all those steps and you know i was wondering you know with um where you're at now if you're a younger daniel you you came across him you know uh across the street and he was asking you okay you know i'm thinking about going into this movement teaching thing with what you've i guess now learned through experience you know what would you what would you say? What pieces of advice would you give? Just start uh, convince your parents to to or just start training something secretly on your own as <laughs> as soon as possible. Because the more I work with with, with uh, other people, the more I see uh, a couple of your guests also mentions similar uh, similar things. You know, if you you know, it's all this uh, plasticity of of the of the child of the uh, child's brain. You know. Not just brain and the central nervous system and the body in general. Uh, the sooner you start with sort of physical activity, even if you stop in puberty or if you stop for 10, 15, 20 years and then you come back to it in mm. older age, it's so much easier to 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 sort of let's say reclaim back your physic physicality and uh, live healthier life than as opposed to you know just starting from scratch as an adult that I was doing. So yeah, it's. Uh, I, I I know the, I know the struggles because it's uh, you know I, I've been there. But yeah, I, that would be my advice. Just start start sooner. Start sooner with something <laughs> more uh, training related. You know anything basketball, martial arts, mm. uh, football as it was popular. But yeah. <laughs> and how about for you know trying to become an actual a teacher specifically? You mentioned like you were in London. You didn't really like have this community or know anyone. Um, you know, is is it just a matter of? time and patience that you need before you know you can actually start making this uh leap into becoming into movement teaching and making a living out from it like what would you do things differently you know if you went back four years ago uh to be honest not really not really i mean it was combination i'm gonna be completely honest it was combination of uh, hard work and and a lot of good luck you know Mm. knowing the right I always thought it's only like that, you know, in Croatia, you know, you need to know the right person to get the job, <laughs> but it's actually plus the skills, but it's actually it's similar everywhere, especially in the place big as London. Mm-hmm. You know, you, if you know the right people, uh, it, it, you can, obviously you can succeed on your own, but I think it's much slower process, you know, mm-hmm. so kind of meeting the right people and sort of resonating and connecting with them. It really kind of kickstarted my, 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 uh, rise as a teacher. <laughs> I can call it like that. Yeah, where would you say that you think you've been lucky and where have you, would you say that you've been like, I guess, really hardworking or like you focused on a lot? I mean, lucky with, you know, stumbling, I mean, uh, stumbling uh, upon, you know, the, the right people, like, you know, Farid, you know, accidentally uh, finding him online or, or real, accidentally seeing his post on Instagram uh, I mean, I have to say Instagram for all the, you know, uh, bad things, you know, it, it helped me actually, it, 
I wouldn't say define my career, but it, it really helped me a lot mm. in uh, kind of connecting with the, with the right people. Uh, so, and yeah, obviously, you know, my wife and, and some of her connections as well, because, you know, I was new guy with no connections in mm. a big place. You know, it, it can be overwhelming. But on top of that, definitely, you know, I was grinding a lot. You know, it was lots of hard work, lots of teaching classes. There was also a couple of moments, lots of uh, self-doubt because, uh, you know, you teach classes, you know, and then you see all this uh, amazing, you know, you're comparing yourself to others on social media, you know. Mm. Uh, you know, we all do that. I mean, let's be honest, at some point, to a degree, and I think which is completely normal uh, and human. But, uh, you know, like, uh, am I good enough to do this? You know, and uh, am I teaching, uh, you know, occasionally getting bad feedback from the class, you know, but, you know, just, I would say that teaching such huge amount of, of classes, uh, various sort of uh, categories of classes really sort of helped me to, to build me up as a teacher. Mm -hmm. uh, just sheer number of classes and and uh, diverse groups of people I, I was working at and levels. You, you're really starting to to see certain patterns and behaviors and how to tackle with it. And now I'm at the level I really enjoy like the group dynamics. I, I love my online coaching, uh, but I really I'm always gonna you know appreciate the, the group dynamics dynamics of the class you know and, and all that adrenaline and and certain flow to it. You know I I, I just love it. Yeah, it sounded like from the very beginning as well, you had this like real big drive and curiosity just to look around and, you know, you tried all these courses as well and you made the decision as well to invest in all these courses mm -hmm. and and whatever was available, just throw yourself into it as well. And I think, you know, that's a really admirable quality because sometimes, you know, you can stop almost at the just observing level where you're just looking at all this content online. You're like, oh yeah, like it's enjoyable. Maybe you engage with it a little bit, but, you know, for whatever reason, it, it seems like you just dove straight in and, you know, trying to practice anytime that you can and, you know, buy that program, buy this program, go to this course, go to that course <laughs> as well. So, I mean, maybe describe a little bit about, yeah, your training evolution through that period as well, because I know my, for myself, um, one challenge sometimes when you go to these workshops or if you buy a program or whatever is, is trying to really digest through all the material and not just be like, okay, yeah, I had that experience and that was nice and then just move on. But it's kind of like, okay, like how do I actually really take something away and start integrating it and, and understanding it? So how do you go about that? Yeah, that was a really good point. And I think I was definitely guilty of that. Uh, you know, there was a point that I spent so much money on uh, and resources uh, and not just money and time as well, free time as I was still working full-time on various courses and it's uh, and workshops. And at some point I was like, okay, this, this was great experience, but yeah, I should probably really stop at least for a year and just try to digest all this material. It totally makes sense, uh, which I did, which I did. Uh, uh, I think for me, the, the biggest thing was uh, outcome of all of that was starting to think about the body rather than, you know, like uh, this sort of singular unit and, you know, uh, into more into the, something that's truly you know capable and and I started sort of also doubling a little bit more with you know somatic approaches and so on so it's not just about you know heavy training pushing yourself there's also so much more nuance uh, there can be so much more nuance to the practice uh, I mean back then I was I was uh, 
you know, I was working primarily, you know, strength training, you know, handstand development, uh, working on ring skills, you know. Uh, I have to admit, I was always super comfortable, you know, with my, I don't know, is it my Slav jeans? I even have a coffee mug called Slav Squad. Um, <laughs> Uh, thanks to my wife. Um, is that a thing? I the, was always the, the Slav squat. Are you guys you well know, known? The, you know squatters? the memes. You know the yeah. You know the memes. You know Slavs in Adidas. You know Adidas outfit gives you you know plus ten uh, buff for you know good hip mobility and stuff like that. I'm just talking nonsense now, obviously. But it's <laughs> uh, it's uh, yeah. I was always very comfortable with squatting. You know all the, this complex uh, single leg squat variation. So I have to admit, you know, I never really. Uh, never really took much effort for me you know to develop all these crazy uh single leg squats but yeah handstand development took ages because it was self-taught and then i had to unlearn so many things with you know farid and then uh, will afterwards and yeah uh it was sort of fairly uh, fairly uh, structured by training but with london woman group back then then i we started sort of doubling more into locomotion and you know that started uh, floor work uh uh, object manipulation and so on. So, and yeah, just started falling, falling in love more and more into those uh, those uh, ways of learning and ways of practicing. So I, I guess I really love the endless possibilities of it. Okay, I have a project now. Okay, I'm really, I'm really curious what's the next project. It was really, I was like a kid. But uh, I have to admit right now, uh, sort of jumping forward, uh, after I achieved certain skills, you know, like, uh, I don't know, I, there was a time I was a really big fan of any any sort of handstand pressing. So I was, you know, really looking for, let me unlock all the presses, you know, mm-hmm. uh, single rep, then uh, working it for reps. Uh, my pushing got super strong, you know, and uh, my pulling was always sort of my weak side. But recently I, I, I discovered uh, bouldering. So bouldering is now this huge, huge uh, uh, aspect of my practice, uh, which we also regularly attend together. Uh, movement group uh, community and myself and uh yeah but it's uh, i would say it's becoming much more seasoned uh, my mm-hmm. my practice you know my training it's uh, now as it's getting uh, colder uh, sort of darker you know you, i really find comfort in, in strength training you know handsome push-ups weighted chin-ups mm-hmm. uh still grinding working my way towards one on chin-up you know it's uh, sometimes i feel like I, I make three steps forward one steps back Oh yeah, forward, <laughs> uh, five steps back, and, and, and so on. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a long term process, I, and I'm really starting to be more and more uh, tuned into recovery. You know, especially I, I am 38, so mm-hmm. uh, I really need to think about that. You know, I, I, I'm fairly lucky so far. If I can knock on the wood, uh, I didn't have any major injuries uh, mm-hmm. uh, throughout my my training uh, sort of career and teaching career. So, yeah, but I'm really, really, really super, super conservative, especially when working with others and myself, uh, especially, for example, developing any sort of flexibility, uh, increasing flexibility range, mobility range, working on certain skills like Mm -hmm. pancake, for example. I'm super, super, super conservative with that. And I'm a big fan of uh, more and more. I'm being a big fan of uh, less is more approach. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, on top of that, you know, all this strength work, I really uh, started finding joy in um, and sort of inspiration in in sort of dance uh, strangely enough uh, like uh, almost like complete opposite than all this rigid strength work like 
especially after recent Tom's, uh, Tom Wexler's workshop, Tom and Roser were teaching. Uh, we're doing, we did lots of partner uh, improv and, uh-huh. and um, you know, individual improvisational work, and that, which I really love. And basically every other day now, I, I play with you know, certain ideas and, and, you know, and, and exploring and researching. And, mm. and I find it really complementing all that softer work. It really complements all the uh, strength work. And I kind of see myself doing that uh, this now for a while, plus, mm. let's say, bouldering, if I can. Uh, kind of pinpoint three main uh, aspects of my practice so yeah a bit of dancing a bit of strength and a bit of bouldering yeah for sure i want to ask you about how you can serve you know your body through with energy and also i guess the physical stress that you put through it because you know one you're actively teaching and it's a physical job now with the with the teaching you know you want to um, have this bouldering practice, this dance practice, and you got like the, I guess, the general capacity work as well. Yeah. How do you structure your life to enable you to, to put your energy efficiently into all these areas? And then uh, one thing I also want to keep on continuing on is like with, with the recovery as well over a long sustainable period. How do you think about that? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Uh, I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, I had I had periods, long periods of structured programming, uh, structured coaching online, coaching with other coaches. But uh, recently, the more I started teaching, uh, the less uh, I realized I, I really, I can't, I simply can't uh, have a sustainable, I can't practice in that manner. So I just sort of started uh, self-programming in a way. Mm-hmm. Or should I rather say, rather than self-programming, I started listening, sort of being more in tune to how I feel on certain days and just squeezing a bits of training uh, each day. So for example, today after after our, our conversation, I have a class in the evening, but I still need to do some online uh, coaching programming. I'm gonna have approximately 45 minutes to, to train. So I'm gonna squeeze you know, a couple of handstand pushups a couple of, uh, you know, overhead presses, military presses, a couple of pike push-ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, and basically that's it. You know, that's going to be my pushing day for today. Tomorrow I might go bouldering and I might go, I might squeeze some weighted chin-ups day. So mm-hmm. it, it really varies. Wednesday might be more for some bridging and some gentle dancing. So it's, it really varies. I sort of have general rough structure throughout the week, uh, but I'm trying to, yeah, listen to, listen to my body. And sometimes, you know, I've learned to accept, you know, if I if I skip two or three days even of training, mm. it's okay. It's okay, Daniel. You know, it, it, you're not gonna lose the games. You know, yeah. uh, that's and so... if anything, you know, if anything, I, I just you know you come back to so every time, every single time, uh, I always come back. You know, even you know I have the best session ever. But there's always this part, you know, self-critic. You know, in the inner monkey mind telling you you're gonna lose the games. You know, whispering while you're sleeping and so on. It's just ridiculous yeah maybe take us a a little bit through that mindset shift of i guess because uh when you are like so structured with your training and then when i guess your now teaching commitments and your other commitments um mean that you have to be a bit more adaptable you know do you still keep some element of i i guess because the one thing about structured training is you can measure all the numbers and you know exactly when your next session is going to be. And that, that progress is, uh, is somewhat like, I guess, 
linear or you get that feedback all the time but if it's the training is sporadic all throughout the week and you know maybe it's changing a little bit each time as well yeah how do you uh has there been a sort of a shift in your mindset to sort of uh, go okay like that's all right but the numbers might not always be trackable but I can feel like this is still nourishing for my body Uh, maybe take us through a bit about that yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, you know, uh, because of my age, I mean, I keep saying I'm 38, like I'm like it's super uh, old age. It's not, but I can see certain you know changes in my body. I can see, you know, how how longer it takes takes me to to recover from like heavier uh, mm-hmm. session. So I'm always gonna prioritize that, you know. Uh, um, what I would say, you know, as we all know, your training uh, is uh, physical practice. Physical training is a positive stress, but it's still stress. And on top of other stresses in the life, you know, you you really need to prioritize recovery. One thing that I forgot to mention is like I, I'm one of those teachers that I always demo a lot on my mm-hmm. classes. I always demo a lot. I, you know, sometimes other uh, students, other pe- people uh, on the class help me. But I always demo a lot, and it really adds up when you think of it. You, mm-hmm. you wouldn't think of it, but you know, at the end of the day. At the end of the week or month, you really feel it. <laughs> hmm. So, so yeah, I don't know, I don't know how that answers your question, but yeah, really, I think priority uh, recovery for me personally. Uh, I would say I could be better with sleep, definitely. Maybe my addiction to coffee uh, <laughs> doesn't help there, but you know, I can have one wise at least. You know, it's okay. Um, I would say. There are definitely nuances to how I can measure my progress. If anything, in the last few years, the biggest progress I, I've made was during the periods where I didn't have any structure training, where I was just playing with movements. Mm-hmm. But you know, without going into, oh, I'm just gonna play with movements. I'm just gonna play nonstop. I'm not. You know, I, there's definitely a huge value to structure training. But during those playing exploration sessions, I always kind of unlocked certain skills, as mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure you did and, uh, and other people. Uh, out there as well um so yeah definitely you know certain sessions oh this handstand push-up felt a little bit different my my shoulder position was a bit better oh this articulation uh, during this improv this feels so much smoother uh, even if it's for example doesn't look uh, or at least if i record myself it doesn't look like that so all these sort of more somatic uh, experiences and 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 uh, subjective uh, which are still uh, valid uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, interpretations of, of progress uh, I think are so, super super useful and I, and I learned to appreciate those perhaps even more so than than, than numbers mm. and in terms of I guess uh, teaching and what you're offering at the moment yeah what do you uh, what are you focused on what you're sh- what you're sharing because you know I think when you take on say like this role of like movement teacher as well we all know you know movement it's such a broad broad concept so mm. how do you present i guess your offerings because you mentioned you know you do a variety of different ways of teaching like one-on-one in class and online um maybe take us through how you present yourself how i present myself uh so i basically work uh let's put it like this so i work for a couple of gyms so I still work, although I'm my own boss in a way, I still work for a couple of gyms, you know, offering classes. You know, I teach 
uh, I mean, let, also what sells, you know, let, uh, handstand sell, you know, calisthenics, mm -hmm. gymnastics, strength, that sells, you know, so I do teach that, but not just because of that, I also enjoy teaching that as well. Uh, I was teaching uh, sort of more mixed movement classes back in the day in, in some gyms, but it, where I was exploring more floor work, a bit more experimental stuff, which I found super enjoyable, super um, fulfilling to teach, but those classes were not as popular. And then pandemic came and everything were kind of, you know, uh, not touching anymore. We just didn't <laughs> like that. And there was yeah. lots of, you know, partner work. And it's... Uh, so yeah, I would say you know hand balancing, mobility, uh, hand uh, uh, you know just general strength training uh, for beginners, intermediates, and so on. Uh, on top of you know teaching pro regular projects uh, with Will in in, in the group. Uh, my online coaching, you know, more and more I can see you know uh, the big sort of amount of people is uh, you know yoga teachers, uh, other PTs, which is which I find very interesting. Um, and more recently, lots of people, you know, who are actually not that much into movement. They don't really know what sort of that concept of movement is. They just, you know, super busy people with three, four kids, mm. big startups, you know, they just, they don't have much free time. They just want super minimal program that I can focus on just to get, you know, or maintain or develop, you know, regular, just basic mobility and strength. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And there's so much value in that. So, yeah, it's, it's really, it's really mixed. It's really mixed. <laughs> mm, yeah. And, you know, in terms of, I guess, thinking about your your teaching, because it sounded like, you know, you, you focused, uh, you have had so much focus with learning and like being as a practitioner. But I think we all know, like, when you become a teacher, that's it's quite a different quality or different skill set. So how are you going about, uh, I guess, refining your teaching do you have like a certain maybe like sometimes reflective process or ways where you actually look at your teaching style and your teaching skill as itself and and how are you thinking about like I guess de developing that yeah yeah uh so yeah I mean I, I do I again completely honestly you know I always propose you know journaling journaling is great I do, you know, internal journaling, uh, you know, meditation, uh, some sort of mindfulness work, or just, you know, good old uh, uh, pen and paper journaling, which I occasionally do, and I could definitely be more, more consistent with it. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Uh, but, you know, just interaction, interaction with others, spending more time with others, sharing ideas, and just accepting myself and accepting my uh, sometimes my uh, faults and and uh, just allowing myself to 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 be better and it took me a while you know not to be so rigid with, with certain you know with certain aspects of teaching you know just being being more open to change more open to change more open to challenge my own biased ideas you know right. and, and we all have we all have that problem you know when something comes uh, out there and that completely changes uh, your belief system or challenges your belief system. And then what do you do? I mean, I'm trying to be open, open, more and more open to it, you know, for sure. Yeah. I think sometimes, you know, that's the challenge when you're a teacher and um, then you might get set sometimes on certain ideas because you, you've, you've taught that to certain segments of people and then you've seen it work really well as well. 
Um, and then when there is, I guess, a, a counter idea or a different sort of approach, then that can be a little bit jarring because you're like, oh, I've I've done it in this way and it's kind of worked in this way. So how can that be right as well? And then I can see sometimes that that can cause a little bit of um, friction, right? Because then you're like, okay, what is what is the truth? Exactly, exactly. And, and, and that's, I think that's a, I would say that's a mark of, you know, a, a great, not just teacher, practitioner in general, you know, if you can, if you can, you can, if you can have dialogue, open dialogue with someone, you know, and, and sort of accept their ideas and uh, sort of maybe implement some of that into your own teaching and maybe uh, challenge your own, your own ideas. Not, not necessarily, you know, nobody saying you should completely, oh, here's new research, here's new idea, let me completely change my identity mm. and the way I teach. I mean, that doesn't make sense. We, we don't operate as humans like that. Uh, at least I think so. So yeah, it's mm. a good point. And so, yeah, I kind of want to jump over maybe into a more like um, a technical area now, which is, uh, I know you, I guess together with Will, you've released a few programs and, you know, around mm -hmm. like capacity and capacity development. And then one that caught my eye is is around i guess like complexity i think it was like upper body strength complexity um and it looks just interesting some of like i guess the preview ideas that you guys were presenting but yeah what i wanted to dive in to pick your brain about was about this idea of introducing complexity into strength training um maybe even if we start with i guess how do we how do we define complexity as opposed to just the normal sort of metrics strength training you know volume in intensity frequency if, if that's a sort of another area how, how how do you sort of think of it well i think there should definitely be you know some uh, i mean that particular program is uh or when we talk about complexity i would always uh, uh consider people uh assume people trying to tackle that are already people on certain practitioners or certain level, you know, you can't jump into complexity. I mean, doesn't mean that you shouldn't, but it's probably not the best idea uh, that you jump into certain more advanced drills. I mean, I'm, uh, in terms of complexity in our program, I would say it's introducing that sort of uh, unfamiliar layer and unpredictable layer, uh, complex layer of adding a partner to your own, uh, to your own, uh, you know, physical practice, to your own training. So, on top of you know adding some more uh, com complex movements. So, I mean, in, in movement culture, mm -hmm. uh, there are you know, you know, some people call it organic strength. You know, you can nonlinear strength uh, and so on. And just speaking the basic, you know, uh, sort of motion or pattern like pulling mecha pulling mechanics pulling uh, pattern and how can you how can you sort of extract that uh, linearity uh, how can you extract that pattern and put it in a completely different uh, context uh, like uh, as I saw you practicing yourself you know for example uh, horizontal rows so many other variations that, that you can play with uh, but yeah for example partner partner uh, Partner-based complexity. I always like uh, coming back to a quote from uh, Tom Tom Wexler. He he, he uh, said, uh, "Me, I' pretty sure he was mentioning. He was referring to dancing, but I think you can easily apply it to, uh, you know, um, uh, training in general. Like uh, when you when you train on your own, when you dance on your own, you dance with mm. you know with imagination. But when you do it with a partner, you dance with reality." Mm. 
I would say, I would add the complexities of, of reality. Uh, so complexities of everyday life. I mean, even coming from my sort of physio, physio background, you know, is when you go to the physio uh, exercise class, uh, you know, there's always going to be set, set reps, you know, fairly linear reps, what you need to do. At least that was back in my uh, in my day when I was still uh, uh, teaching and those group classes. Uh, you know, there is always all these. Uh, for example, let's take shoulder joint. There's this whole area. Shoulder joint is a joint with biggest range of motion in the human body, and uh, there's so many uh, so so many possibilities and so many also potential. I'm not going to say dangers, but possibilities for injury if you're not, uh, let's say, sort of prepared for the lack of a better word. Uh, I know does it make sense what I'm what I'm trying to say? So, yeah. so, so let's say let's say a simple drill that uh, we were just sharing recently, which I love to use for, for warm up, but you can use it for for any 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 uh, any type of strength work as well. So taking a, a resistance band or or a judo belt or, or ring, gymnastic rings with a strap. And then just either with a partner or on your own, and then just starting to explore, uh, having few limitations like feet grounded, or maybe you're going to be on the floor, uh, three points of contact, and then just exploring the all the areas with added a little bit of resistance uh, as much as you need to, uh, exploring the areas and ranges of motion, you know, and we, which is not necessarily going to give you some maybe measurable progress. So I'm mm -hmm. suddenly going to increase my uh max uh weighted uh, chin-ups or pull-ups but it can definitely i think long-term help you know sort of um so not solidify that's a wrong word but uh, increase let's say increase the capacity of the shoulder to withstand all these uh all these uh forces yeah i think that's sometimes sense. like um the challenge sometimes with um introducing like these non-linear movements or i mean i guess it's depending on how far you take it right like because sometimes they can be like non-traditional or non-linear movements um but then still done in a sets and reps type of way and if you keep on continuing with it you know then you're going to see that sort of like progress because you're practicing that um mm. that same movement pattern right but then say like taking that shoulder example where you're pulling on a band in different angles with the shoulder like overhead behind your um behind yourself in front of yourself all that sort of thing when it's more open and variable like that it's very difficult to then go okay like did i really improve there it's more <laughs> of, a, of a sensitivity type thing i mean unless like i don't know you've done it like heaps and then you upgrade the band and then that for whatever reason gets gets easier right i guess then you'd have that sort of feedback but m most of the time you it's probably yeah you don't you don't get that oh, okay like now next day i can do six reps versus five yeah reps. exactly exactly and this is why i would perhaps even change it uh or maybe add to it uh, rather, rather than just complexity it would be exploration as well you know it's something mm -hmm. unknown and you're playing with you know as long as we know as long as you know I think the more and more I'm training, I can see, you know, the, the, all the stuff that I'm training is, uh, I, I'm training uh, patterns, movements that I find enjoyable. So, you know, if you're going to practice something that's really not enjoyable for long term, it's not, at, at some point you're going to stop. <laughs> what's, the, what's the value in that? So I think just, you know, keeping your mind open and just 
this is what I'm uh, starting to uh, sort of double more and more on my own. Just, you know, having a, a just basic uh, pattern or, or, or uh, movement and just, or position and just exploring what can I do uh, inside within that uh, movement. Like how comfortable are, what can I do while, while I'm in the squat, for example, you know? So rather than, uh, you can call it complexity, but I would also maybe add even better exploration. Mm, exploration, mm. yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess because then you move away from just going like the, you know, I'm going to add complexity into strength training and then expect, you know, the same sort of feedback loops with traditional strength training, like exploration, Mm -hmm. then you're just going, okay, I'm open to the possibility of whatever is going to happen, right? Which is maybe if you're looking for, yeah, it's a a different sort of perspective versus the other sort of... um, uh, ways of, I guess, more traditional strengths or mobility like practice where it's very, it can be sometimes very measured. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, you know, you know, it sounds cool. Like, Oh, what are you training? Oh, I'm training uh, I'm tr- today uh, on my schedule. I have a movement complexity, you know, strength complexity. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm joking, obviously, but yeah, I mean, I, on top of, I would always add it on top of my, that, that's never going to be the main, you know, sort of uh, thing that I'm going to practice or with that, that I would recommend to someone. It's just sort of a nice addition that people could play with mm. that can uh, sort of uh, complement their practice, complement, for example, their main practice, like bouldering, you know, mm. or like uh, mentioned uh, before mentioned example with the, with the band, uh, with the shoulders, super, super useful for the bouldering as you, if you ever experience, if you ever climb, you know, you know, your shoulder in which it goes in all these so awkward angles that you sometimes you're like how the hell did i get here like how am i going to move from here can mm. i produce force from here and this is where potentially this could help just just sort of to put one of the examples mm. i like this idea you mentioned of like working with a partner because sometimes um you know you might meet up with a buddy and be like really excited because you get to train with each other but sometimes like more traditionally strength you know then you're just like doing your chin up in individually or you're doing your push-up sort of individually and you're not really actually working together I mean you might be like working out in the same space together but you're not actually like having like a physical interaction so you know Mm. I wanted to see if you could explain you know are there any sort of simple drills using this notion of exploration or complexity with maybe like a a strength sort of bias that one could explore with a partner, whether it's a, yeah, maybe a push drill and a, a pull, pull drill, what sort of parameters or how, how you could set that up? I think there, you know, there's so many possibilities and, and here lies the problem, you know, it can be overwhelming and there, there's, there should be some sort of always, it's good to play. I would say just pick a limitations, pick certain limitations, like, uh, this foot stuck to the floor, this uh, hand stuck to the floor, everything else is allowed to move. You need to reach this, you need to reach that. I mean, to be honest, this is like the main, uh, even on my more uh, strictly linear-based strength classes or mobility classes, I always have at least first 15, 20 minutes of partner work uh, because I think there is so much value there. Mm. Uh, so yeah, just playing with limitations and, you know, can you be in a crawling position on all fours and then both of you either holding a, holding a ring or a strap and then just, you know, adding, adding a little bit of heckling, you know? 
Ah, push uh, and pulling with that. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Exactly, which is super hard. Or maybe standing on one on single leg, and then this is what we were playing in the, on the on London Movement Group, or standing on single leg and then trying to to push each other out of balance with having some other limitations or uh, holding an object or. I mean, there, there's literally multi multitude or ways, uh, endless amount of possibilities. And this is why uh, I think it's it's so useful. I mean, I mean to be honest, I, I, I was initially I was when I was first firstly introduced to part of work. It was on one of the fighting monkey workshops here in London. I think their very first one. It was like 100 people. I hated it so much. Like, <laughs> why do I need to like? First, my very first partner was almost like crashed my big left big toe. Like, dude, what are you doing? It's just a warm up. Mm. And so it brings so much competitiveness in people. And it's, uh, but yeah, after, you know, after spending some time, you know, uh, having some sort of frameworks, you know, like before mentioned, you know, having some sort of limitations that you can play with it and certain tasks, it, it changed the way I practice. I think it's one of the main, one of the 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 big 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 uh, influences in the way I teach now, as you probably also experience in 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 some of your classes or mm. some of your practices, you know, with others, it's, it just brings so much. Uh, all this, apart from social layer, you know, it just brings. Sometimes it can be difficult to pinpoint, but you know, sense of joy and and, and connectedness and and uh, it's different. I, I think, uh, as we all know, you can only go so far on your own you know especially us humans we're social beings and you know uh doing something like practicing something uh, especially physical together it you know it's 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 fun <laughs> yeah and how do you like setting up partner work say within um a group class context because sometimes i find that the way you explain things or the setup of how you introduce sometimes like this work can make all the difference between it being just like a, almost like a throwaway type of game that, you know, everyone has a sort of laugh, but then maybe you can get after the novelty wears off, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, like what's next versus like, oh, okay, like I'm now going to be a little bit more engrossed with the task or like, view that there's i guess like some deeper layers um to to the task like yeah do you guys uh present it in a certain way or think think about it to the group so that it is i guess engaged with that maybe sometimes at this deeper level versus like this haha you know you know it's just it's just fun and, and new and now what's the next thing <laughs> nice one uh so i think first of all you know I think I was uh, initially when I started introducing partner work on my very early classes, you know, I was always sometimes put, I was guilty of putting certain games just for the sake of games. But right now, you know, I'm really trying uh, for each game or task uh, to tie into, you know, kind of overarching narrative of the class. You know, if I'm teaching, you know, a hip mobility class or if I'm teaching a hands, beginner handstand class, you know, it needs to have some connection with the actual topic, otherwise mm-hmm. it, may, it doesn't make sense, you know. And sometimes, you know, depending on the on the group dynamics, and some some people uh, have way too much fun. I always like to joke uh, around that, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, I I I allow people to have fun, but I also I'm trying to sometimes uh, have uh, a little bit of strictness to it, you know. Uh, uh, 
being my uh, myself like strict slav <laughs> <laughs> uh which my wife would call uh, sergeant major um you know just you know having a little bit more uh, authority sometimes it, it helps but it's uh, you know just uh, maybe sometimes uh to this day you know i still find myself sometimes i explain certain tasks people start doing it i wait for the the task to finish before we before repeat with another partner or before we repeat it again i'm going to stop and you know i'm going to okay guys uh, i'm uh, forget about this you know uh, let's change it you know some really open to changes i'm not uh, super super rigid and even open to you know if it's not obviously if it's not tinkering too much with the with the structure open to you know at the end of the session with the with re- reflections of uh, from students you know just to implement to listen to what they have to say and what they would potentially change and that's something something that i really appreciate uh, that we were doing from the beginning in the london movement group sessions you know sitting in a circle circle of trust i like to like to call that mm-hmm. and then just uh you know going around and just sharing experiences but not you know in in a way of not just oh i really enjoyed it and that was it you know be, trying to be a bit more constructive okay you know dan i really enjoyed this game but i think this potentially you know it was very bit unclear or this you know and, and i really appreciate that sometimes maybe hmm. you need to swallow something <laughs> it's not uh, easy to hear if it's sort of not necessarily negative feedback but something that sort of challenge your what you were thinking your beliefs uh but i think it's super useful and then uh listening listening and sometimes not even listening uh uh like sort of verbal communication verbal uh, uh, input verbal feedback it's actually observing and listening uh people as they do it you know although that can also be tricky mm-hmm. because so many times you think oh this person looks like you know they they're having the, the most horrible times uh, of their lives uh, with this game and then at the end of the session you hear we have this amazing feedback or after the class they send you a message or like uh, thank you for this amazing session so so i guess this can also be sometimes uh not uh you can't trust it always you can't trust your eyes always so yeah. I kind of went all around the way but hopefully it makes sense. Yeah, I'm interested about this, you know, this 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 circle of trust or this reflection at the end um mm. how you, how you like to run that like are there any sort of ways of how you open up the group with certain questions so that they feel comfortable with sharing in that sort of way because sometimes yeah when you sort of gather around people sort of do the polite thing and just be like yeah you know it was it was great it was fun um and you don't maybe get uh how do I say yeah like a a more honest perspective if there was some certain things or a more critical perspective from them so yeah how have you guys um actually done that to open up I guess this quite honest and critical piece of uh, pieces of, of I've been comfortable with sharing that in a dialogue with those uh, students. Mm. Well, uh, I think it really the same, but uh, I always like to start, you know, for myself, you know, I always, before I start sharing something, especially there are lots of uh, new people in the group uh, on that particular session, they always explain what's, uh, what are we, what are we planning to do now? <laughs> And we're trying to keep it always super chill, you know, throw in some humor and uh, just, you know, they're welcome to say whatever they want to, or you're also welcome, more more than welcome to, you know, not to say anything. You can just Mm -hmm. say, thank you, you know, and that's perfectly fine. No judgment whatsoever. Uh, And I always, you know, 
I start for myself, you know, especially if people next to me are new, you know, I'm going to start just to, for them to see how, how, it, how it should look like, trying to be a bit more constructive. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you like just you hear some, some amazing, most amazing things and the amazing insights and you're just like mind blown, like, how didn't I think about this or, or this? It's so, you know, it's interesting hearing other people's experiences because it's sometimes it can be so alien to, to your own and not alien, but so, so different than to your own. And, uh, and you can just kind of positively be mind blown with them and, or, um, yeah, I kind of stopped here. My brain stopped for a second. Um, yeah, just, you know, I have to admit quite often, if I need to say something, uh, I say something and then as soon as the reflection is finished, I, I, I don't know, I'm cycling back home and I'm thinking, oh, why did I say that? Actually, I was thinking about something else. So there's also that to consider. So it can be difficult, don't get me wrong. It can be difficult to sort of, if you had like uh, really intense uh, physical experience for I, I don't know, our sessions are on average two hours. And then after mm. that, you need to suddenly, you know, your, your brain, your body is still processing all the, all the uh, sensory inputs and you're still like trying to figure out what just happened especially if you're new to this and then you need to suddenly give reflection so it's it, it can be it can be hard but it, it gets easier i noticed that for myself you know when I, when i was starting to attend the group and i was starting to do that uh, when i was reflecting and now as i'm reflecting on that i think honesty really helps you know really being brutally super honest you know uh, we also like to have this uh, very simplified uh, sort of questionnaire, so to say, uh, like traffic light system. How do you feel on this specific day? Mm. Also at the very beginning of the session and at the end of the session. So you have uh, you have uh, uh, yellow. So I'm, you know, I'm sort of, you know, sorry, you have green, not yellow. You have green, I, I feel great. You know, I'm bursting with energy. I really want to push myself hard. I had a good night's sleep, you know, I have, like uh, double espresso, I'm bursting with energy. And uh, then you have Amber, like, mm, I'm so, so, you know, the week was a bit hectic, you know, I'm gonna maybe not push myself so much today, or maybe it improves throughout the session. And then you have red light, you know, I should probably really take it easy today, if necessary, you know, if without any judgment, if, you know, if that person can go on the side, sometimes just to pause, even if we say to do certain exercises, you know, it's completely fine without any judgment. And then comparing that to at the end of the session, how do you feel? Because it's, I think it's important to establish sort of baseline at the end and then comparing it to, again, without too much judgment mm. uh, and self-criticism at the end of the session, how you felt. And some people are gonna say, you know, I, I really, it wasn't my day. You know, I, I really, you know, I kind of hated it, but I hated the, the, the physical aspect of it, but I really kind of, but at the same time, I, I'm glad I'm here. You know, I, I still feel like I gained something from it. So, it, you know, it's, so it's, it really varies from person to person. Yeah, this is really interesting, especially that you sort of start and then you end with it. And I'm assuming like everyone says this in front of everyone as well. So not only you as the teacher, but the other students are aware of, I guess, that person mentally, how they're perceiving their state throughout the time. Uh, which but it doesn't necessarily need to be, uh, yeah. you know, in front of everyone. Sometimes people like to share, sometimes people they just keep it from themselves. And this is why I always 
there's this framework uh, that we created. Uh, I mean, similar to fighting monkeys, similar to some other practices, like a uh, uh, zero zero uh, zero point. Like you know, where, where we where we start with certain zero form, where we starting with certain. Let's call it warm up, but it's rather than just being a warm up, it's more establishing the baseline. And and I actually started using that for for every single one of my sessions. So how do I feel on this particular day, rather than just jumping mindlessly into the session and, and just even into the warm up? You know, how do I feel now without without any judgment? And then according to that, either I'm going to push myself more or push myself mm. less. And yeah, how does it, that sort of zero pointing practice look like, and how how does that run? Uh, stillness. You know, we just start with stillness, or I mean, uh, we're never completely still, you know. <laughs> but it's uh, it's more like a body scan and observation, you know, observation of uh, of of your heartbeat, of your breath. It's always good to start with certain anchors, like let's call it breath, the qualities of a breath. Uh, the qualities of your, you know, posture. Uh, it's sometimes it's guided. I personally, in my sessions, I like to guide, and, but sometimes, depending also on my energy, I really like to. Okay, but just you know, keep it. Just focus on the breath and just notice, and you know, just keeping it very simple. Sometimes maybe notice the feeling of weight between the floor and your feet, especially if you're barefoot. Notice if we are doors, and usually we are now, as the weather was nice uh, this summer in UK, at least in London. Notice the texture of the ground, you know, notice the air on your skin. Right? So notice the sound, uh, just kind of tuning into your, to your, to your sensations. And then after that, we sort of going into more, let's call it very, rather than uh, mobility, heavy mobility, warm up. It's more like a gentle, uh, you know, looseness practice, you know, some squats, some reaches, you know, some forward folds, some gentle rotations, sort of including all joints. And then after that, uh, we usually go to some partner work and some more specific uh, uh, prep, let's call it, before we go into the, the, the main projects and so on. Ah. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, sounds like a nice structure that, that you got going on there. Sounds like a lot of fun. I think it, yeah, <laughs> it really works well. I think it really works well. It sort of eases you into the session and then you have this wave structure, you know, where it's not just up, 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 and then everyone is crashing. You, know, you sort of have, you know, it's going up, and then you know, there's a moment of respite and people can uh, can add certain gain. At least I like to add certain light gain uh, and before we continue to the, the main thing. <laughs> nice. Um, so, yeah, I guess, you know, from here on, what are your sort of plans within... The upcoming future. I know sometimes you're going back home to Croatia and teaching a few workshops there. Or at least I've I've seen a few of the posts there. So, um, you know, do you have more of those upcoming or some other workshops planned in some other places as well? Take us yeah, through it. Yeah, that, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I started teaching uh, some workshops in Croatia just before pandemic. The uh, why Croatia specifically? Just because I mean, I'm always. When I go home and I love going, I'm quite connected to my family, as I mentioned, a big family. But uh, I really like to share uh, what I've learned, all the amazing stuff that I've learned here. Uh, I like to share back home just because uh, I don't think, especially in terms of value and in terms of how accessible certain information and certain types of coaching is in Croatia because of the currency, Mm. Uh, discrepancy you know it can be quite challenging so 
without any uh, desire for me to actually earn any money, you know, just to cover my expenses of flight and so on. I, I, I yeah, I'm going to start definitely teaching more and more workshops, sort of sharing bits and pieces. So the first one now, uh, next workshop is 29th of October in the capital of Croatia in this big dance studio, which I'm really looking forward. We're going to sort of have a topic of partner work, mm-hmm. everything from games to sort of strength development uh, using the partner. Uh, I also plan, one of my online students um, is from Krakow, Poland. So we're sort of planning to do a workshop there potentially in February. So yeah, I can definitely see myself, uh, you know, as I have no more than a few people around the world, like just, you know, traveling a bit more and especially post pandemic and just sharing stuff more and more. Mm. I think it's, I find it very exciting and I'm really, especially as I, uh, really enjoy the aspect of teaching. Uh, so doing that more, more and more, more and more. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a really important point that you touched on, which is about improving this accessibility for people, especially when they come mm. from different countries and, you know, what you explained in early in your journey where your, um, uh, Croatian currency, you know, just didn't enable you with all this access at the time for all these, uh, I guess, uh, great learnings and, and teachers just be, because of the result of your circumstances, right? So I think it's, yeah, it's really admirable that, um, you know, now you can go back there as well and maybe teach something which is more accessible for for people and then allow them with that entry point to dive in into this whole wonderful world that you found. Exactly. exactly. And that's my big wish, you know. Who knows, at some point when I get even older, maybe, you know, opening a physical space back home or something like that you know i don't know you know there are so many possibilities but i really i really want to share more especially in that part of the world because i think it's it's kind of also uh, i would say almost neglected with so many uh, you know teachers going around uh, you also i always wonder why why is that particular side maybe i'm maybe i'm wrong but you know it's always it's always the big big cities it's always the big places you know mm. Uh, maybe it's a money thing, yeah. But you no, know, it, it definitely is primarily money thing. Maybe sometimes it's a lack of interest. Maybe it's sometimes people are just confused. It's lack of, I wouldn't necessarily say lack of information, but yeah, maybe a bit of confusion. But yeah, so that's sort of my, uh, who knows what's going to happen, what future brings, but I would really very much like to sort of share more of that and, and teach more, more workshops, more retreats. Yeah, if possible, as as the world currently, you know, as we know, world is in such state, uh, is you know, cost of living going up here in UK. You know, people struggling to pay for you know ba- basic necessities like bills. You know, and then expecting you know them to pay, uh, I don't know how much money for workshop or for online coaching is just ridiculous. So I think this is why this is why I started sharing more and more stuff on YouTube as well. Uh, and I'm going to, you're also one of the inspirations for that, by the way, we <laughs> love you. your YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, I'm also a part of a movement snack app, which is, uh, if I'm not mistaken from Antonio Torres, uh, mm-hmm. he and his team, uh, uh designed it. It's a really interesting app for people who sort of want to get onto the current, uh, movement snack, uh, craze uh which is basically i think originally it's from katie bowman she she started it first in one of her books yeah she coined the term bo- i think yes yeah, she coined the term which i which i find really really interesting it just sort of spread out the 
the mobility and sort of movement throughout the day rather than rather than uh, you know okay I'm gonna have mobility session which is still useful but I think I mean even if you know you can see me this is my coffee table and I'm I'm squatting for the duration of this uh, of this time I mean I'm on, on a meditation cushion but I'm squatting so uh, you don't need to get rid of the chairs but spend some time on the floor you know, and uh, I'm digressing so you know just working on these movement stacks with uh, for the app. Uh, you know, and maybe some other other projects like uh, designing a new course with Will, which is going to be aimed for people. Uh, I want to say older people, uh, mm-hmm. maybe people who who don't really have who need some sort of basic introduction into into very very basic, uh, uh, just to help them kickstart their uh, basic work on their basic mobility and strength because that's that's also I think it's very important because. Uh, you, you quite often see within movement uh, movement uh, world, you know, it's all these sexy, beautiful young people, super mm-hmm. capable. You know, it's almost like it's kind of uh, hidden. Uh, it's almost like it's kind of not, not hidden, but it's uh, there's this wall between uh, them and and all the, the rest of the world. And I think it should be accessible to everyone. You know, it doesn't necessarily need to involve handstands or, or single arm chin-ups you know there is so much beauty in just uh, uh, simple movements and the more I'm the more I'm practicing and teaching the more I see that the more I actually find value in that and the more I'm coming back to that and, and eventually I you know when I get when I grow old my my I want to be able to squat you know to, to pick up I don't know my my grandchild or my mm-hmm. my uh, nephew or you know just Using my using my hips or being able to go from sitting on the floor to standing up uh, without you know, struggling too much or hanging or just doing some you know basic stuff, picking up heavier objects you know which I think at the end of the day everyone everyone wants because all these crazy skills that we have are eventually are going to sort of fade out and mm-hmm. uh, what what we're being left with is you know just sort of. Um, Capacity to still enjoy life, uh, regardless of uh, regardless of circumstances. I would say. Yeah, I think you will have a, a new appreciation of, of what are the basics. You know, when you reach that age, right? So. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Well, Definitely. it's been wonderful to finally connect with you and then go through. You know, all your training history, journey, your t- teaching history as well. I've had a lot of fun hearing. All your thoughts, um, you know, just for those people listening, if they're interested in your work and want to check you out, you know, um, where's the best place to, to go? So right now, uh, as I was being super lazy with developing my website, I actually had a website before, but uh, I'm in the process of making a new one. Uh, Instagram and YouTube. Primarily awesome. Instagram, I think from Instagram as a starting point, uh, physical empowerment. Or even London Movement Group uh, as a good sort of starting point where we share lots of uh, good stuff. Yeah, well, I really look forward to, you know, all your developments and um, keep on sharing your journey, man. Like I know for myself with all the parts of your practice, all the movement snacks, all the different like uh, even sometimes like more traditional movements, you always have like a little spin on them as well, which just gets me thinking, oh, okay, yeah, like, why didn't I try that? You know, that could feel really good. And uh, I know sometimes, yeah, if I'm just looking for a bit of inspiration or something 
that's got exploration to do, you know, I can just load up your channel, your Instagram, and there's just a wealth of knowledge there. So thank you very much, Daniel. No, thank you for having me, man. Really appreciate the, the time. And I hope, hope uh, I made some sense. <laughs> You did. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much, everyone, for, for, for listening. And, uh, and thank you again for, for inviting me. It's, uh, it, it, you're doing amazing work uh, with spreading awareness of movement and accessibility and uh, keep doing the amazing work, man. That's a wrap for today, guys. That's episode 73. Thanks to Daniel for jumping on and sharing his story, his journey, and his insights on the Passive Hang. I hope you guys really enjoyed that one. I did too. Remember, if you want to reach out to any of these coaches, you know, that reach out online through Instagram. That's how I reach out to them and connect with them. And if you want to connect with me, you can find my details at Fayonp, at P-H-A-O-N-P on Instagram. Otherwise, you can also jump onto the PassiveHang.com website. All right, guys. Well, I always appreciate your continued support. Remember, if you like this, please share it with a friend. And otherwise, I will see you guys in the next podcast.